0: Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Jonah that teaches us that we cannot run from your presence because you pursue us and you love us. We ask you to teach us again this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how many of you have kids who have a tendency to wander off? I mean, some kids are just like that. They like to wander. They're runners. As soon as they start to walk, your job becomes one of pursuing them. But what's interesting is it's not just kids that wander off and flee. It's also Adults. And that is the storyline of the Bible. Sometimes we wander from God because, well, we're not paying attention to him. Or we're really not committed to him. Or we know who God is and what he says. And, well, if it interferes with our lives, we don't like it. So we run from him as fast and as far as we can. But here's the good news. God pursues us other religions will teach that we need to pursue god that we need to find god that we need to seek after god with some kind of spiritual journey or religious pilgrimage or whatever the case may be but that's not what we believe the storyline of the bible is that we are sometimes like foolish children And we run from the presence of God and we find ourselves in danger or harm's way and God pursues us and God is looking for us and God is searching for us. And God is calling out to us and crying out for us and longing to be restored to a relationship with us. That is the father heart of God. And it starts way back in the first chapter of the Bible with Adam and Eve. They sinned against God and they literally run and hide from God, which is impossible. And God comes looking for them. And God comes seeking and pursuing them. This is the story of the Bible and the big theme, a big thing theme of the book of Jonah as well. And in Jonah chapter 1, God speaks to Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. Jonah speaks to God. Jonah chapter 3. God speaks through Jonah to some people called the Ninevites. Chapter 1. God tells Jonah, you need to leave Israel and go to Nineveh in Syria. And all it tells us in verse 2 is the city is evil. Its location is in modern day would be in Iraq, Mosul, Iraq, recent home of the likes of terrorists like ISIS, Taliban, maybe Al Qaeda, those kind of people. And imagine that God says to you, hey, I need you to go to Iraq to be a missionary to these known terrorists. And what John, Jonah does is he runs absolutely the opposite way, and who wouldn't? He boards a ship and he's trying to run away from God as far and as fast as he can. A great storm is sent by God. The ship is about ready to sink and break up. The unbelieving sailors know that something is wrong. Someone on their ship has made the gods angry. Jonah finally confesses that He disobeyed God and says, throw me into the waves of the sea and God can do whatever he wants with me. And a fish was sent by God to pursue Jonah. The fish is not the hero of the story. The fish is just God's idea of an Uber ride. God's way of picking up Jonah and bringing him to another place. If you are wondering if there was such a fish that could swallow a human and if a human could survive three days and nights inside its belly, well, science has not been able to figure that out for lack of volunteers to test their theory. So let's call it what it is. It's a miracle. And we're fine with that. And in chapter two, Jonah's in the belly of this fish and it is dark and it is cramped and it is scary. And what does he do? He prays because that's all he can do. God causes the fish to vomit him out on the beach and there's only one thing worse than throwing up. It's being thrown up. Can you imagine And now he's got a 500-mile walk to the city of Nineveh. It's hot, dry, desert, pretty well the whole way there. And he arrives at the great city of Nineveh. And that's where we find ourselves today in chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Sometimes, God says the same thing over and over and over to us. Do you or did you have children? How many times do you tell your child the same thing over and over and over again? And we need, tell, we need to keep telling our kids the same thing because they're not listening But here's the good news. God is like a loving parent who's willing to have the same conversation over and over and over again. He's loving. He's patient. He's merciful. He's kind and he's pursuing. And some people think, God told me to do something. I didn't do it. Or God told me not to do something and I did it anyway. Is God done with me? And the answer is no. He's not. He'll talk to you about it again. Because he loves you. This is the amazing grace of God. Now Jonah is like the Peter of the Old Testament. Peter, you remember, denied Jesus. Jesus met with him after his resurrection. He restored him. And worked with him to do great things. And this might be the story of your life. God called you to do something. And you didn't do it. He's not done with you. He loves you. You need to meet with him. He'll reinstate you and call you back to whatever he needs you to do. That's the encouraging story of Jonah. So Jonah gets up and goes to Nineveh, which is an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. It's huge, and it's wildly wicked. In less than 100 years, it's going to become the capital city of the most powerful empire in the world. God knew that. God also hates sin and loves people. God wants the people in Nineveh to hear from him. Nineveh is a horrible city. Nahum, chapter 3. They were good at witchcraft, prostitution, child sacrifice, and murder. It says there were so many murders in that city, the streets were stacked with bodies. Bloodthirsty, child sacrificing, women abusing, violent city. And yet God loves the people in it and wants them to change. God has a plan for it. God is bigger than human sin. He's bigger than governmental corruption. He's bigger than human trafficking. He's big enough to deal with all of this. God wants Nineveh to change here's the problem Jonah has a relationship with God he's quite comfortable with he just doesn't want it to interfere with his comfortable life God loves me forgives me bless me and my family that's enough thank you I will worship you God but don't ask me to love my enemies Jonah likes the comfort and convenience of believing in God. But not really the mission and work of God. Jonah wants to be in Israel. He doesn't want to go to Syria. I mean, how many of us have moved to this part of the city because we want its comfort and its convenience? Sometimes what keeps us from mission and sharing God's heart with people is our comfort and convenience. And God calls us to mission to sometimes do things that are hard. Like really loving our enemies and wanting what's best for them. And we, like Jonah, sometimes run from that. In Jonah verse chapter 3, verse 3, after meeting with God in the belly of a fish and being given back his life, Jonah then begins to obey the Lord. God's word works. Jonah goes into the city and he calls out, he's preaching He's proclaiming yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Five words in the Hebrew. Possible explanation for this. This is a summary of what he said. I mean there are long sermons in the Bible where we only get a summary of them. So that's possible. Or maybe that's all God told him to say. Or... He did the minimum. We know from chapter 4, Jonah did not like these people and he didn't think they deserved the compassion or grace of God. They were his enemies. He did not want to warn them of the coming wrath of God. He couldn't see how they would possibly repent. So he did the bare minimum. He doesn't say God loves you. He doesn't say God will forgive you even though he just experienced firsthand God's forgiveness. He just says five words. I think, I think that's a tweet. Forty days and Nineveh will be destroyed. That's it, and he's done. I'm out of here. And you know what? It's a lesson in here for us. Sometimes five words are enough if those words are God's words. The point is, it's not us who do the converting. It's not us who change lives. It's God. And in verse 5, the story continues, and the people of Nineveh believed God. That's amazing. When God's word is spoken, anything can happen. They called for a fast. That's where you don't eat for a while. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least, the richest to the poor, oldest to the youngest, to outwardly show how inwardly poor and destitute they were. The word reached the king of Nineveh. That's like some prominent world leader that's not on our side like like a Hitler or a Castro or a Osama bin Laden. They're for sure not going to join our team. But the word of the Lord reached the king and he arose from his throne, covered himself in ashes and sackcloth and issued a proclamation. He calls a national day of repentance. Can you imagine This in our country? A politician getting up on national TV and saying, I repent, and we all should. Let everyone turn from his evil ways, from the violence, from the hatred, from the selfishness. The king doesn't know what God is going to do. Because he doesn't know the God of the Bible. He hopes God is not going to treat them as he treated other people. Jonah, however, knows that God is a God who forgives. We live in a world, there's lots of speculation. And not a lot of revelation. And it doesn't understand the word of God. And when the word of God comes, it comes with the power of God. And it doesn't matter how powerful a people are or how powerful a nation is. The word of God is more powerful. The word of God shows up in this powerful Assyrian city and it's more powerful than anything they have ever seen before. And people's lives change. Why? Because here's what the book of Hebrews tells us. Chapter 4 verse 12. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. Of joints and of marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God comes to Nineveh and they demonstrate humble repentance. We believe in the book we call the Bible. It's not an old book, but it is God's eternal word, and because it is timeless, it is always timely. We do not believe that God's word changes with the shifting tides of human preference of opinion or interpretation We do not believe that we have authority over God's word. God did not commission us to be his editors, but to be his messengers. We don't just study God's word. God's word studies us. We don't just interpret God's word. God's word interprets us, our heart, our motives, and our desires. We don't sit under God's word so that we might argue with it. We sit under God's word. We sit under God's word so that we might hear from it and submit to it. We believe that when people hear the word of God, it changes their lives. It changes what you believe, it changes who you are it changes how you think it changes how you feel it changes what you do it changes the direction of your life and it changes your family it changes generations to come it has lasting effect as people change Then lives around them change, and cities change, and countries change, and the world changes. We've seen what Jesus himself, the word become flesh, has done for our world. We all long for a better world, and so does God. We fight wars, and they don't change things. We elect politicians and they can't change things. We start organizations that love and serve people, but, but they don't save people. What every weeping mother, what every fearful politician, what every social worker or brave police officer, all those who, who deal with children who are being harmed or falling through the cracks, what they are longing for, is ultimately only experienced and only found in the word of God, exercising its authority over people and changing them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand the vital role the church plays in the world because we are caregivers, keepers of the word of God? The hope for our families, the hope for our community, the hope for our city, the hope for our country, the hope for the world is the word of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. That there is something fundamentally wrong with us and we need to know our place under God. We need to repent and turn back to God and in a relationship with God, change our ways as God is working his grace in our lives and we need to leave the results up to god we can't save someone we can't change someone and we can't give people a new nature there are certain things right that only god can do our job is to love people serve people and present to them the word of the lord and leave the results to god And look at verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is like a police officer who comes upon a criminal with a loaded gun. And the criminal is raising the gun, and the officer says, you've got two options. You put the gun down, or I open fire. And the criminal says, okay, I'll put the gun down. And the police officer says, I will not open fire. The story of Nineveh is the story of the whole world, isn't it? God has a long wick of great patience, and what Jonah tells us is Nineveh, well, there's only 40 days left. That's how much they've burned up the grace of God. And at the end of the 40 days, there will be no more patience and no more mercy, only justice and consequences. And there is a day in human history where God's grace and mercy, his patience and long suffering, will come to an end. Mark my words, that day is when Jesus Christ returns in all his glory. The dead will rise and every nation will pass before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ and they will give an account for their life, how they lived, and the God, whether they worshipped him or not. And that day is coming Soon, the Bible says. And just because Jesus has been patient does not mean that he is not coming. He is patiently waiting for us to repent as they did so that he can relent as he did. God is patient with us. And we know the rest of the story, don't we? In human history, God sent Jesus. He's on this great rescue mission He came to seek and to save that which was lost. God sent a fish after Jonah, but he sent his son to save the whole world. And Jesus teaches us about the story of Jonah. And here's what he says, and you heard it. I'll read it again. Some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you, a magic trick or something so we can believe you. And he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And here's what Jesus is saying. The whole story of Jonah, it was preparatory or it was anticipating or it was foreshadowing, if you will, my coming. That's what Jesus is saying. Now I'm here and I'm greater than Jonah. He came out of fish. I'm going to come out of the grave. He preached repentance. I'm preaching repentance. There was a great revival for one generation and one nation. There will be now a great revival for many nations and many generations to come. Jonah traveled from Israel to Nineveh. Jesus traveled from heaven to earth. Jonah went to Nineveh unwillingly, but Jesus came To the earth willingly. Jonah came forth from a fish, but Jesus is coming from the grave. Jonah preached a few words of God, Jesus came as the very word of God. Jonah saw a king get off his throne and repent. Jesus is the King of kings, and he got off his throne that we might repent. Jonah gave people 40 days to repent and Jesus has given us 1,000 years to repent. Jonah saw one nation bow their he- knees to God. And Jesus is the God for whom every nation and every knee shall bow. Jonah was sent to Nineveh. God has sent us to bring his word. Jonah understands the mercy of God to a certain extent, but we understand it to its full extent, all because of the cross. That God humbly comes as the Lord Jesus Christ. He lives a life that we have not lived, the life without sin. He has died the death that we should have died, the death of sin. And as Jonah came out of the fish, Jesus came out of the grave. And Jesus makes repentance possible. Jesus is the way we receive forgiveness, life, and salvation. And Jesus is why we receive mercy from God. We know more than Jonah did. We experience more than Jonah did because of Jesus. So, we will gather together in person or online And we will open up the word of God together regularly and faithfully and see what Jesus, our Lord and Savior, does. Amen.